Good evening. Today is Tuesday, January 16th, 2024, and we are studying the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week's step is step seven, and our speaker tonight is Carla H. Thank you, Carla. Take it away. Oh, thank you so much. I just, I have to exhale because I'm still on a high from being in person with fellows for the first time since the pandemic. I know that a lot of you go to -to face-to-face meetings. I don't. So being face-to-face, I'm still kind of in the afterglow of that. So I am Carla H. I am a compulsive overeater from Foster City, California. I am living in the fourth dimension today. And if you're a newcomer, call me and I will talk to you about what that means. That is really some recoveries that I try not to speak too much. But I just want y'all to know today that you are welcome here, welcome home. It doesn't matter how you eat or don't eat, what you do or don't do, whether you read what book, what literature, no matter what you do, we welcome you with open arms. And an experience I had a couple of days ago, we stood in a circle in a meeting and held hands and told each other, I put my hand in yours. Man, that is one thing I wish we could do on Zoom. (laughs) Hey, y'all, just put your hands up. We can do that here. Um, There is something about being in a fellowship with people that when I say, y'all, I used to eat every few minutes and I couldn't stop, that somebody can do this. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I didn't know what to do about it. I tried everything. Um, And it wasn't even about a diet because I had successfully dieted at periods of time for a reason and it worked until it didn't, right? So I knew that diets worked, but for me, it was very temporarily and it was for a reason. And once I got to that occasion, to that reunion, to whatever that was, then now I can eat. And so I would begin eating again. But then this disease progressed to a point that I was eating every few minutes. And y'all, I slept very little. Um, So I would eat big meals also. (laughs) Yet every few minutes, I I had to be eating something. Uh, And I mean, had to. That's exactly the way I felt. And then I really believed that it was my willpower because I had been successful at different periods. So every day I would get up going, today I'm going to do it. Well, then I would go to bed that night going, I'm killing myself and I can't stop. And when I finally got to a point one night in such a panic that I asked a power greater than me, please help me. I can't quit eating. And I specifically heard OA. I didn't know what that meant. So I went to my friend Google, Googled OA and Overeaters Anonymous came up. Y'all, I didn't care what Overeaters Anonymous was. I knew that was my answer. So I went to my first meeting. My first meeting was an absolute life-changing experience. And the reason it was is two ladies were sitting at a table. I said, can y'all help me? I can't quit eating. And they handed me the OA 12 and 12. And they said, we're going to read the first step. Y'all, nobody shared about what they did. I don't know if I could have heard them if they had. Nobody told me, oh, there's some other. They gave me literature and we read it together. And what I found out in that reading was I'm a compulsive overeater. I know 
sounds weird. I just said I was eating every few minutes, but I couldn't have used that term, a compulsive overeater. I didn't realize that the very things I was eating was guaranteeing I was going to keep eating. I had no idea. And then I had no idea that my mind doesn't work like a person who's not a compulsive overeater's mind works. Way they their mind works, they eat something, they get full, they quit eating. My mind doesn't work that way. And then it tells me tomorrow will be different. You can do the same thing. You can eat that same thing, but you won't have that effect. Well, guess what? I did. I did have that effect. That was the hopeless condition I got here that I was aware of. But then I had another hopeless condition I was not at all aware of. And that was that my life was unmanageable. In fact, when I read the first step, and I absolutely knew that I was powerless over food, but but here's the thing. When I saw my life is unmanageable, I thought, oh, poor y'all. Your life is, my life is good to go. I just need to quit eating because I didn't know what I didn't know. And I've had four and a half years. I am a short timer. I've had four and a half years of seeing that I don't know what I don't know. And yet I got here thinking I knew everything. So I want to get to step seven because it is so much a part of the transformation that I have experienced. Um, Step six is where we named and claimed our character defects. And I call them my defaults. Those things that I do seemingly without thinking about it, because they're so much a part of the way I live. And I was 65 when I got here, which is a lifetime for a lot of people, uh, including my own father. Um, But when I got here, I had this deep, deep belief that I was just the way I was. Never imagined changing. Um, Use that as an excuse and a justification for many of the defaults that were so harming to other people. And, you know, it really wasn't that I didn't know either my action or reaction to something wasn't harmful, but I just said, well, it's just the way I am. And so when I started reading the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, because all the meetings that I went to were OA literature. And the first thing I was told is you have to have a sponsor to work the steps. The steps is what's going to bring you to a solution to your hopeless condition. But you can't start that on your own. So get the Brown book. Overeaters Anonymous has the stories of compulsive overeaters and read that until you get a sponsor. Well, that was 21 days that I read that book before I got a sponsor. I had every piece of OA literature on the market. I get a sponsor in San Francisco, California, and the first thing she tells me is get a big book. And I'm going, get a big book, (laughs) number one, a big book, an Alcoholics Anonymous. So I had to go to the Alcoholics Anonymous store and pick one up that day after the meeting. But as I began reading that, as I began to understand that there is a process, that as I go through this process, something's going to start happening to me. At first, I thought it was an academic process. Okay. Give me the book. Give me the information. I'm a great student. I can get this and I'll go back with my life. When I got to step first, step seven, the first time through the steps, I was, I felt like I was hurrying to die. The fourth step almost killed me because I did not read that phrase that warns against morbid reflection. And so I lived in morbid reflection 
from the time I got to my first fourth step until a year later, I started the steps again in a year-long workshop. And I worked those steps over my guilt, shame, and remorse. Because, y'all, I was abstinent. I'd been abstinent a year. I had worked the steps. I was doing every, I was reaching out to every person I could get a phone number for. I didn't have the kind of sponsor that said, call three people, go to three meetings. I was going to every meeting I could find in the Bay Area, and there were lots of them. I was calling every person I could get a phone number. What are y'all talking about? I didn't understand the language. But when I got to step seven, the second time, um, I began to look at step six as naming what I believed were my character defects. And it was my opinion. It was my reality because I don't see reality as it is. I see reality as I am. So I was aware that there were specific things I did that caused harm to people. I could tell by the look on their face. I could tell by the fact that they didn't want anything to do with me. Um, They were very uncomfortable. I knew it, but I, I didn't know how to change. Y'all, I didn't know how to be any different. And so I learned that. So as I named those, it was suggested to look up those words. Well, when I said that I'm rude, I knew what I meant by that. But I looked up the word rude. And then guess what? I looked up words that were opposite of rude. And so I wrote those definitions down. And then I took that to my higher power. And I asked God, show me how you would have me be, instead of being rude, give me an ideal of another way to be. And y'all, I did that for days with my character, what I named and claimed as my character defects. And then as I was doing that, my higher power began to show me other things that I didn't list as a character defect. But here's the good news. Because I can get the first time I did step seven, I stayed in that self-judgment and me determining what was wrong with me, me determining that uh, I can't get it right, me determining that it's just the way I am, all of that, because that's the only thing I knew. But as I stayed in step seven, you know, step seven is a short paragraph (laughs) and it's a prayer, most of it. And so the first, it was very easy for me the first time I went through the steps, just go past that. Okay, yeah, I'm ready. Okay, God, take anything that doesn't help somebody. How do I know? How do I know? Y'all, I'm just finishing my fifth time through the steps. I'd go through the steps yearly in a workshop that I step guide people for, but I go through the steps again. But just this year, I had a new spiritual awakening. Yes, we are promised that by the end of the ninth step, we're promised neutrality around our addiction. But we're promised that by step 12, we're going to have had a spiritual awakening. What's a spiritual awakening? For me, I have spiritual awakenings all the time. Because all of a sudden, I see something that I haven't seen before. And this time through the steps, I read, we must quit playing God. And I thought for the first time, okay. Um, I asked my higher power, what does that look like in me? How is it I'm playing God? And y'all, I found out that I really did play God and I had no awareness of it. Those new awarenesses are spiritual awakenings because it is done to me, not by me, but not without me. It's always my choice. So as I 
walk through the steps again and again, because each time I'm a new person again, I have new awarenesses and I have a new practice. The set aside prayer is the bedrock of my recovery. Asking my higher power, God, please set aside what I think I know. And that is a daily practice because I think I know something. And about the time I think I know something, I found that I found out I didn't know what I didn't know once again. And so step seven is a step that I never, I, I, after the first time, I never slept over that. Today, I'm still asking God, but how do I know? Today, what I realize is I don't know what a character defect is. I think I do. And you know why, why, what I use to judge it is if something unpleasant happens. Oh, well, because I still act for a specific reason. I want a result. And when I don't get that result, guess what I say? Oh, I didn't do that right. Oh, uh, that needs to change. Instead, today, as upon awakening, I ask God to direct my thinking. I walk through my day trusting I'm going to get an intuitive thought when I need it. And here's the, here's the bottom line. I don't know what God's will is for me or for you. And I used to not only believe I knew God's will for me, I knew it for you too. And I was going to direct you, just give me a chance. You know, just call me. I will tell you what you need to be doing. I don't do that anymore. You know why? Because I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's right for you. And here's what my sponsor modeled for me. And that that is a part of my recovery. I would call her and I'd say, you would not believe so-and-so. And she would say, Carla, why does that bother you? Well, obviously it bothered me because I'm right always. And whatever they were doing, I don't believe they should have been doing it. Why am I disturbed? Because I have a belief that something should be different than it is. That I should be different. You should be different. As soon as I hear should, I go, okay, there you go. There's another belief. God, can you just set that down? See, when I first heard that prayer, I thought, you mean I'm going to have to throw away everything I've spent 65 years on because my life is built on my attitudes, beliefs, and opinions. But what I found out is, no, just set it down. Set it down long enough that I can have a different thought. How can I be different how can I default differently when something happens? When, when something disappoints me, I no longer get into a raving rage. Y'all, I was so addicted to anger that I made up things to be angry about. If there wasn't anything in front of me to be angry about, which there normally was. And, uh, and so when I, today, when I realized that Something didn't happen. You know, that guy that just cut me off. Here's a thought. Maybe he needed to be somewhere before I did. Who knew? No, he didn't understand. That was my place on the road. Because, you know, it's my road, too. So that self-centered, that selfishness. Y'all, I have the curse of the first person, which is I can only see from my perspective. I'm never going to be in your shoes. I'm not going to be walking with you. I'm not going to be eating with you. I want y'all to know that I ate with a sponsee this weekend, the first time I have ever eaten with anyone in OA. I, well, anyone, a, a, another compulsive overeater, but other people. I don't eat with people. Thank you so much, Leslie. But here's the freedom. And guess what, y'all? I have lived alone for four and a half years. I'm a widow. 
And so when I got, when I got abstinent, guess what? All that was around me was abstinent food. Well, the last month I moved in with my son, daughter-in-law, granddaughter. Oh my goodness gracious. They are normal eaters. And I had this fear. Oh my God, I'm fixing to be around all my alcoholic foods. I've never done that in recovery. So I'm telling my sponsor and she said, Carla, you know what? Fear is a good thing. It's our, it's our brain's way of warning us about something ahead that can be harmful. And I've always thought fear was the enemy. And that changed something in the way I think when she told me that. And you know what is so cool? Now, I have an 18-month-old granddaughter who is my absolute delight of my life. And she has the cutest little toys. And she has these little rocking horses. Well, it's not a rocking horse. It's a rocking, rocking moose, which, you know, ruins the whole song of singing about giddy up horsey. Right. But anyway, so now when I look at the food around me, guess what I know? It's not my food. I don't go get on her little rocking moose. You know, I don't get her toys and play with them all day. They're not my toys. That's not my food. And y'all, I have found a delight being with people. I didn't even know I was lonely until I got here. And I didn't know that I can be around food that's not mine and not eat it. I'm not going to go in their bedroom and put their clothes on. I'm not going to go in the kitchen and eat their food. It's just so simple. Y'all, this is a simple practice and it's just a practice. And so for today, I turn to a power greater than me asking that everything I think I know be set down. And then my mantra, God, may your will and mine be one. And that keeps me in a position that my mind can be changed. I never had an open mind. I never wanted an open mind because I was always too busy proving I was right. And you know what? Today, I don't care. It doesn't matter whether I'm right because I, you know what I found out? I don't even know what's right. And when I hear I want to speak my truth, I want y'all to know that most of the time my truth is not the truth. But my sponsor told me, Carla, sit with your discomfort and let the truth bubble up. And when I do that, because discomfort is no longer my enemy, before a program, I was a feel-good junkie, and whatever it took to feel good, I was all about doing it. And today, I can sit in discomfort, because guess what I'm encouraged about? I have a higher power that's going to show me the truth. And guess what happens when I see the truth? Then all those stories that I think I'm such a fantastical thinker, I see something, I build a story around it. Somebody looks at me a certain way, I already decide they don't like me. All of those kind of things, it's just a practice. And for today, at the end of my day, I just consider. I consider my day. How did my day go? And guess what I find out? That if there is something out of kilter in my day, I have a higher power that goes, hmm, what about that? And then I can just consider it. It's just such a sweet term and a sweet way of thinking about inventory. Because when I think of inventory, I think of a judge. I'm going to judge myself. What did I do? How did I do it? Why didn't I do it? But instead, if I can just consider, because I'm trusting as I'm considering that there's a power greater than me that's giving me intuitive thoughts that I couldn't have come up with. Thank you all so much for being here. And you know what? I put my hand in yours. 
I love working with newcomers in the where do I start pamphlet and going over what OA has to offer. OA, the principles, the 12 steps in the big book, this fellowship have saved my life. Welcome home, everybody. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much, Carla. That was so delightful. You are just um, a joy to this group. And I was like, I want Carla to be my grandma. <laughs> like, you're just wonderful. So uh, we will now open the meeting for questions or for three-minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and the step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share, ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under the reactions or star nine if you're on the phone. I will call the raised hands in order and the Zoom host will ask you to unmute when it's your turn. With the timekeeper, Leslie, please set a time for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up. If the speakers asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. And um, I will call on you um, and Yvonne will unmute you. Oh, so Chanel. Thank you, Chanel. Hi there. Thank you. I'm still Chanel. I'm still a grateful compulsive eater living in recovery by the grace of God today. Carla, wow. Always wow. And something that you talk about that I respect so much is not using recoveries. And I don't catch myself, but I know I use it a lot. And when I first came in the rooms, I was incredibly confused by it, especially when I came back in and, you know, I went to certain meetings that are pretty big and, and they would just be all talking about the 10th step and this and that. And I, I just didn't know I had never really, I had only pretended to work the steps before. So I'm like, 10th step, maybe I should go look that up. What are they talking about? Or, you know, um, just a lot of slogans that didn't make sense to me. Sure. Came for the vanity, stayed for the sanity. That made sense. But a lot of things didn't. And I'm like, what do you mean the food's the solution? You know, just a lot of things that I'm like, what are you talking about? The food is my problem, man. No, it actually is my, it was my solution that caused other problems. But um, I just want to thank you. And I wanted to ask you, when you take people through the 12-day pamphlet, which is OA-approved literature, so I can ask that on this meeting, um, do you transition with them into sponsoring through the big book or what do you do there? Thanks. That's all I have. Thanks so much, Chanel. Uh, I do take sponsees after the first 12 days. That is the way I begin with sponsees now. But I only take two people at a time through the steps because I talk to my sponsees every day. And, um, and I talk to a lot of people the first 12 days every day, too. They're short conversations. But I want to be able to give my full attention to what my passion is, which is working with newcomers and with sharing what I've been so generously given. So we start with the first 12 days. The people I do not continue to sponsor during that 12 days, I'm encouraging them and assisting them in finding a sponsor. Some people start with a sponsor before the 12 days is over. And so some of them we stop and they start with their sponsor. Some people, we go ahead and go through the first 12 days, even when they find a sponsor. But everything about me working with newcomers is to get them to a sponsor, to get them to the steps. That's where recovery is. The first 12 days does two things for newcomers. One, it gives them a 
new practice, a practice of looking at their recovery a few minutes every day because they're going to be reading and answering a question. And then it gives them the practice of being accountable to another human being. And being accountable is simply saying what I'm going to do and doing it. So they tell me I'm going to answer a question every day and I'm going to call you every day for 12 days. And then my accountability and commitment to them is I'm going to answer the phone when you call and I'm going to share with you my experience. So thanks so much for that question, Chanel. Thank you so much, Chanel. And thank you, Carla. And um, next we have Penny. Hi, everybody. I'm Penny, Coastal Overeater. So grateful to be here tonight. Uh, Carla, that was just wonderful. I have to say, I was at the birthday party this weekend, and I just, I'm going to cry. I just have to say, as much as I loved all the, you know, keynote speakers I went to and, and sessions that I went to and workshops that I went to, the highlight for me was meeting some of you in person, being able to give you a hug. That was just amazing. And you guys all know who you are because you were there. So that was just amazing for me. It really, it really touched my heart. Anyway, um, you know, Carla, when you talk, I just, woo, I connect with so much of what you say. And tonight, what I really connected with was when you said, um, I'm disturbed because I have a belief that something should be different than it is. Oh, how true that is. You know, I, I am going through a situation in, in my life where I uh, have my dad living with me and I have a sister who is, um, uh, uh, I don't know how to say it, not participating in, 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 in helping to care for him. And uh, I've had to do a lot of 10 steps on that. And I have a lot of resentment about it. And I and so that that really hit me. And I was talking to another fellow today who's, who, who gave me this this piece of wisdom. And, um, she had heard from a sponsor, um, that, um, you know, when I'm disturbed about something, just to remember the mantra of let them, let them like my sister's doing what she's doing. Let her, you know, like, I don't need to play God. I don't need to, you know, she gets to be who she is and make her choices. And I just need to let her, and I don't need to, you know, uh, control it. You know, God has a plan. So that really hit me your that part where you said I'm disturbed because I have a belief that something should be different than it is. And um, so I'm really working on that. So just grateful to be here and grateful to see all of you and uh, still on a high from the weekend. So thanks, everybody. Thank you so much, Penny. And um, next we have Amy B. Uh, hi, everybody. Amy B. Compulsive Overeater. Um, thank you, Francesca and Yvonne for, uh, hosting and leading the meeting. Thank you, Leslie, for timing. Um, uh, thank you everybody for being here and doing service. Uh, thanks to the folks that I got to hug at the birthday party. Thanks to the folks here who did service at the birthday party. And thanks for the folks that went to the other meetings this weekend and made phone calls and just lived their daily life. Like we all do. Um, Yeah. Uh, it's all part of it. Carla, uh, I'm sorry for uh, uh, the direct. I'm just going to say that I love you. Thank you for your um, recovery, your example, and um, for being on this path with me. Uh, I wrote down a bunch of stuff that you said. I see things through my own experience. And I wrote under that, I see things as I am, not as they are. That's what my whole inventory is about. Um, and when then you said my truth is not the truth. And also, like, it is my truth. It's just not the truth. And somebody else's truth is their truth. 
it's, it's not my truth. It's not the truth. It's just a really interesting way to look at dishonesty and delusion with a much more gentle, forgiving, accepting eye. But with regards to step seven, which is our topic tonight, I thought about how you said, I always thought fear was the enemy um, uh, when really it was trying to protect me. And that to me... That step six sort of like finding objectionable the fact that I thought my fear, something that, you know, is so was actually <laughs> um, I confused it with love or I let it hijack my love or whatever. Um, but step seven is lovingly asking God to be my protector instead of the fear um, and being willing to have that happen um, happens in six. And then in seven, I, I, I have to ask humbly with humility, which means acceptance of my humanity. Um, I saw so much humanity, uh, this weekend, not just in my, uh, fellows, but in my, my daily life and my communications while I was gone. And, um, we practice these principles in all our affairs. Six and seven are, It's where it pivots from the first half to the second. It is the steps of transformation and they're beautiful. I'm so glad to be here tonight with you, my family. Thank you uh, everyone for being here. I pass. Thank you, Amy. And um, is it time to stop the, um, no, sorry. Um, the, and next we'll have uh, ENF. Hi, I'm ENF, compulsive overeater. Very grateful to be here. Thank you, Carlos, so much for your share. Um, I had to I had to go uh, into the into the book and and read when you <laughs> when it was I don't know God's will for me and I don't need to. I was like, really? Like I, I have to look through the book. Like I know that I'm supposed to ask for God's will. None of the literature ever says that I'm supposed to know what God's will is for me, and I think that's really interesting um, because I have I have a really hard time accepting that. Um, and, and I have been asked many times and I have asked many times, how do I know when I'm living in God's will? And the truth is I don't. I really don't a lot of the time. There are times where I feel really, I feel really peaceful and I feel really, um, I feel really guided. But I never know 100%. This is the right thing. Um, I had a, I had a fourth step recently um, that I just finished. And um <laughs> I, I I just remember finishing it and going, why am I programmed to self-destruct? Like, why am I like this? Why, why is it that every time I have something good, I find a way to mess it up, you know? And um, I don't know. That's how God, that's how God made me is, is, is the phrase that I heard today. And, and it was like, what step seven does is, you know, you can be a different person, right? And you don't have to know what that looks like. And that brought me to tears. You know, it, it really did. That's what step seven is. I become a completely different person. And I get to do that more than once. I get to do that as, as many times as I need to. As long as I live, that is an opportunity that I have, that we all have. So thank you for your share. It was wonderful. I'll pass Thank you so much, Ian. Um, thank you so much for your share. And we have some time for some more shares. So um, if anyone else would like to share, could uh, use a couple more hands. 
Thank you, Yvonne. Hi, everybody. I'm Yvonne A., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in BC, Canada. Um, Carla, you're just such a joy and a pleasure. And it was amazing to spend some time with you this weekend. Um, and, you know, step seven, this weekend was amazing, absolutely amazing. And yet there were times where I was challenged. So um, some of you who are there saw me at my worst this weekend when my flight got canceled and my husband didn't have a caregiver for the night. And I was thinking that I shouldn't have been there. I should have been home looking after him. Um, and that's the amazing thing is it's like your brain goes there. It's like, oh my goodness, but it goes there because we are human. Um, and what this program allows us to do and what that connection with our higher power allows us to do and what step seven gives us permission to do every single day is to say, okay, God, I'm not in the outcome business. I have to put all of my faith and trust in you. I have to be courageous in this. Trust that everything is happening exactly in the way it is supposed to happen in the time that it's happening. And so while there were a few tears, I can tell you if I had not been in program when this happened, I would have been yelling at people at the airline. I would have been demanding answers as to why this was happening to me. I would have been yelling at my husband, telling him what to do. Um, but you know, I, I, God too has just this way. And this fellow that I'm very close to came along while all this was happening to me. She didn't try to fix anything. She didn't try to make the situation better. All she said was, I'm here if you need anything. And just that comfort of knowing that I always now have fellows and all they have to do is listen and God's going to take care of the rest. And I don't have to have a meltdown. I don't have to be a crazy person. Um, and, you know, literally within an hour and a half of getting the news, it was all worked out. And this delightful, absolutely delightful group of women asked me to go out with them for the afternoon. And it was just a marvelous time. And so it was like, all of that, if my flight hadn't been canceled, I would have been on a shuttle to the airport. I wouldn't have had that time with those um, special people. I wouldn't have been able to share in that. So, you know, everything happens for a reason. And as much as I forget that in the moment, being in program allows me um, to remember it a lot quicker than what I normally would. So thank you for all of your wisdom. I loved our chats this weekend. Um, I look forward to having many more and I pass. Thank you. Oh, oopsies. Um, thank you so much, Yvonne. And um, also, Yvonne will now stop the recording.